Spring, Part Ten, from the Flowers of Shakespeare. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Farah Iftikhar. The Flowers of Shakespeare by Esther Singleton. Carnations and Gillyflowers. Carnations. Dianthus Caryophyllus. Perdita calls carnations and streaked gillyflowers the fairest flowers of the season. Carnation was originally spelled coronation because the flower was used to make crowns, garlands, and wreaths. In the days of Pliny, it was called Dianthus or flower of Jove and was also worn in wreaths and crowns. From Chaucer, we know that it was cultivated as the clove gillyflower in English gardens, and because it was used to add a spicy flavour to wine and ale, it acquired the popular name of sops in wine. Hence Spencer, in his shepherd's calendar, sings, Bring hither the pink and purple columbine with gillyflowers, bring coronations and sops in wine worn of paramours, and again, youth's folk now flocken everywhere to gather may baskets and smelling brary, and home they hasten the post to dight, and all the clerk pillars in daylight, with hawthorn beads and sweet eglantine, and garlands of roses and sops in wine. Its second specific name, writes Elacholm, Caryophyllus, i.e. nut-leaved, seems at first very inappropriate for a grassy-leaved plant, but the name was first given to the Indian clove tree and from it transferred to the carnation on account of its fine clove scent. Its popularity as an English plant is shown by its many names, pink, carnation, gillyflower, an easily traced and well-ascertained corruption from caryophyllus, clove picotti and sops in wine from the flowers being used to flavour wine and beer. There is an historical interest also in the flowers. All our carnations, picotees and cloves came originally from the single Dianthus caryophyllus. This is not a true British plant, but it holds a place in the English flora, being naturalised on Rochester and other castles. It is abundant in Normandy, and I found it in 1874, covering the old castle of Falaise, in which William the Conqueror was born. I have found that it grows on the old castles of Dover, Deal, and Cardiff, all of them of Norman construction, as was Rochester, which was built by Gandalf, the special friend of William. Its occurrence on these several Norman castles makes it very possible that it was introduced by the Norman builders, perhaps as a pleasant memory of their Norman homes, though it may have been incidentally introduced with the Norman Caen stone, of which parts of the castles are built. How soon it became a florist's flower we do not know, but it must have been early, for in Shakespeare's time the sorts of cloves, carnations and pinks were so many that Gerard says, a great and large volume would not suffice to write of every one at large in particular, considering how infinite they are, and how every year every climate and country bringeth forth new sorts and such as have not heretofore been written of. Parkinson speaks of carnations, pinks, and gillyflowers. 
the number of them is so he says that to give several descriptions to them were endless he therefore mentions a few favourites among the carnations we find the great harwich or old english carnation the red or clove gilliflower the yellow or orange tawny gilliflower the grey hulo the red hulo the blue hulo the grimelo or prince the white carnation or delicate the french carnation the crystal or crystalline the fragrant the striped savage the oxford carnation the king's carnation the granado the grand pear and the great lombard his gilliflowers include the lusty gallant or westminster the bristow blue the bristow blush the red dover the fair maid of kent or ruffling robin the queen's gilliflower the dainty the brazil gilliflower the turkey gilliflower the pale pageant the sad pageant master bradshaw his dainty lady john wit his great tawny gilliflower the striped tawny the marbled tawny master tuggy his princess the feathered tawny and master tuggy his rose gilliflower the tuggies had a superb garden at westminster in which they made a speciality of carnations gilliflowers and pinks the flower upon which parkinson spends his most loving description is the great harwich the enthusiasm of this old flower fancier who writes so delightfully makes us feel that the great harwich is an english institution just as important as the roast beef of old england or the english plum pudding i take this goodly great old english carnation he writes as a precedent for the description of all the rest which for his beauty and stateliness is worthy of a prime place it rises up with a great thick round stalk divided into several branches somewhat thickly set with joints and at every joint two long green rather than whitish leaves turning or winding two or three times round the flowers stand at the top of the stalks in long great and round green husks which are divided into five points out of which rise many long and broad pointed leaves deeply jagged at the ends set in order round and calmly making a gallant great double flower of a deep carnation colour almost red spotted with many blush spots and streaks some greater and some lesser of an excellent soft sweet scent neither too quick as many others of these kinds are nor yet too dull and with two whitish crooked threads like horns in the middle this kind never beareth many flowers but as it is slow in growing so in bearing not to be often handled which showeth a kind of stateliness fit to preserve the opinion of magnificence what a delightful idea parkinson gives of the conscious dignity of the flower how vividly he brings the great harwich before us and makes us love its green husk its mottled leaves its rich scent and its curling horns gilliflowers parkinson continues grow like unto carnations but not so thick-set with joints and leaves the stalks are more the leaves are narrower and whiter for the most part and in some do as well a little turn the flowers are smaller yet very thick and double in most and the green husks in which they stand are smaller likewise the ends of the leaves are dented and jagged some also have two small white threads crooked at the ends like horns in the middle of the flower others have none most of our later writers do call them by one general name 
caryophyllus sativus and flos caryophyllus adding thereto maximus when we mean carnations and major when we would express gilliflowers which name is taken from cloves in that the scent of the ordinary red gilliflower especially doth resemble them divers other several names have been formerly given them as vitonica or bitonia altera or vitonica altibus and coronaria herba tunica viola damascena ocellus damascenus and barbarius of some cantabrica pliny some think they were unknown to the ancients and some would have them be iphium of theophrastus whereof he maketh mention in his sixth and seventh chapters of his sixth book among garland and summer flowers others to be his dios anthos or louis flos we call them in english the greatest kinds carnations and the other gilliflowers quasi july flowers the red or clove gilliflower is most used in physic in our apothecaries shops none of the others being accepted or used and is accounted to be very cordial some writers say that the gilliflower was a cure for pestilential fevers gerard writes conserve made of the flowers for clove gilliflower and sugar is exceedingly cordial and wonderfully above measure doth comfort the heart being eaten now and then the italian painter benvenuto tizio always painted a gilliflower in the corner of his pictures as his emblem from which he is always called il garofalo the word pink is derived from the dutch word pinkster whitsuntide the season a certain whitsuntide gilliflower was in bloom the pink was regarded as an antidote for epilepsy and a vinegar made of flowers was used as a valued remedy for the plague the elizabethans also thought if a conserve be composed of it it's the life and delight of the human race our old friend parkinson describes pinks as wild or small gilliflowers some bearing single and some double flowers some smooth almost without any deep dents on the edges and some jagged or as it were feathered some growing upright like unto gilliflowers others creeping or spreading of one colour some of another and many of divers colours he gives double and single pinks feathered or jagged pinks star pinks great sea gilliflower or great thrift often used in gardens to impale a border and not because it abideth green in winter and summer and that by cutting it may grow thick and be kept in what form one list we also find single red sweet john single white sweet john double sweet john single red sweet william double red sweet william speckled sweet william or london pride deep red or murray colour sweet william and single white sweet william these he adds are all generally called armerius or armeria yet some have called them vitonica agrestis and others herba tunica carlatia and corophilus sylvestris we do in english in most places call the first or narrow-leaved kinds sweet johns and all the rest sweet williams yet in some places they call the broader-leaved kinds that are not spotted tolmanas and london tufts but the speckled kind is termed by our english gentlewomen for the most part london pride we have not known of any of these used in physic these spicy pinks and luscious july flowers and the simple sweet johns and sweet williams as well recall the lovely lines of matthew arnold soon will the high midsummer pomp come on soon will the musk carnations break and swell 
soon shall we have gold-dusted snapdragon sweet william with his homely cottage smell stocks in fragrant blow roses that down the alleys shine afar and open jasmine in muffled lattices and groups under the dreaming garden trees and the pale moon and the white dreaming star end of carnations and gillyflowers recording by farah iftikar